so close, but so far away. We talk a wrap up on the Frozen Four matchup. Coach Whalen addresses the transfer wave, and then we're jumping into NFL draft prospects from the Gophers every Friday this week. Boye Mafe. No matter what happens, no matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Uh, whatever turns out, however it turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. And then when it does turn out, good or bad, we're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. Welcome into the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kane Rob. You can find me on Twitter at 4KaneRobVideo. That's the number 4KaneRobVideo. I'm a former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant who's got big love for the Gophers just like you. And if you know other people that are major Gopher fans like we are, please introduce them to the podcast. Make sure they check us out. Because we're going to build this community, and this is going to be the place to be for all Gophers fans listening and talking about Gophers sports. This is the show where we always continue to row. We're an everyday podcast, Monday through Friday, with some emergency shows on the weekends, barring circumstances. So wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. And within the next week or so, we're going to get it on YouTube as well, getting a video portion going. So we'll have Gophers fans covered at every location. Now let's talk about the Frozen Four. I know I'm still in my feels, I'm still emotional, and I'm guessing you are as well. It's a time of mourning. We had high expectations. It was the perfect story arc. We were taking on a team that kicked us out of the tournament and the opportunity to go to the Frozen Four last year, a rematch, a rebuttal. We get to avenge what they stole from us and move on to claim a national championship. But that wasn't in the cards. Unfortunately for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, we lost the game in a routing to the Mankato State Mavericks. Now heading into the game, Coach Bob Motzko had said in the press conference how we knew this team was going to be physical, they were going to push, and we had to push back. We had to show fight. And he even specifically mentioned how last year we hit our breaking point where people started hanging their heads and giving up within about the second period of the game. And I think we made it a little past the second period before that same emotions and that same feeling ensued. But we came out of the gates hot. It was promising and it all just fell apart. Now, if we're going to review the game and review the matchup and where we went wrong, let's start in the first period. I believe we kicked it off to a hot start. Cato was hot on the attack from the jump. They were in the attack for a ton of that first period. And honestly, going into the TV timeout at about 3.54 in period one, it was a 10-2 to shot difference. 
Now, our goalie close, I like to call him closer, he started off hot. I mean, he had some clutch saves in the beginning, but the late periods were not kind to him. Now, it's not all on him, and we will get there, but I would be remiss if we didn't bring up the work of art, the beautiful back and forth playing catch with a zip shot finish from Nyes, assisted by Brodzy. Now, if you haven't seen the goal yet, definitely check that out. I'm saying it was a work of art. We tweeted from the account, hang it in the Louvre, because truly, that was perfect offense. It was beautiful to watch. And from that moment to the end of the first period, the game was beautiful, especially being a Gopher fan. But after that, things became a lot more difficult. The Mavericks came out hard in the second period, and we matched their physicality for the first couple minutes of the period. But once we hit around the 13-minute mark, it seemed like things were really starting to taper off, and we weren't as physical. We were taking hits rather than meeting the hits at impact like they did in period one and in the opening minutes of period two. Mankato evened the game up at one-to-one on a wraparound goal that my boy Closer lost track of, or so it seemed, in the first take of the play. But upon the replay, it was a heck of a shot. He really snuck it around the goaltender. The placement was pristine, and it even had a little bit of a lift on it and hit the far side of the goal in the air on the wraparound. And that, I can't even be mad at that. So as we moved Further into period two, a lot was happening in front of goal two. It looked like a screenshot. Close shields the right side of the net and is caught on the quick wraparound once again. Lutz on the main Kato Mavericks wraps it around right when he had close, when close had lost him in his blind spot. Now from here, what was promising is that the Gophers hadn't thrown in the towel quite yet. The aggression turned back up around the four-minute mark, but at this point, it seemed like it was a little too late. Entering into the third period, the Gophers quickly went down 3-1 on a slap shot that was deflected. Again, there was a lot going on in front of the net. It was busy in front of the net. Close didn't look like he really had any eye on the puck as far as he was really blocked on all sides. The deflection let the puck go into the back of the net and we were down 3-1. From this point, it seemed like we were likely out of the game. The attitudes and the morale started to dwindle. And once Mankato hit goal four with around six minutes left, it was all but over. You could tell. But let's focus on one thing, okay? Let's focus on the heck of a season that the Gophers put up. We started off rough. We were splitting lots of series. They came on hot late, even with guys playing in the Olympics. Young guys were stepping up. There's a lot of promise for the team moving forward in the future. And yes, we may be losing some key players like Ben Myers, but... There is hope. Let's not let this defeat us as fans, 
but let's look towards positivity moving forward. It was great to be back in the Frozen Four once again, and we will be back. I mean, last season, we had a bad taste in our mouths from Mankato knocking us out a game before the Frozen Four, pushed back through, took on both the previous national champions in UMass, and then a stout Western Michigan team to get to this point. We are going to conquer our ghosts, and we are going to get back to the promised land. Stay faithful, stay true. We're the state of hockey and Minnesota Gophers. Shout out to your season. We are proud of you, and we know the best is yet to come. But one team at the University of Minnesota that we are unknown on what is yet to come is the women's basketball program that lost seven players to transfer this season. We're going to talk about that next. But first, I need to talk to you about Built Bar because if you can imagine something that tastes like a candy bar, but that is good for you, even though it's still covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, that's right. 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are covered in real chocolate and they're still good for you. Low calorie, high protein, Replace your candy bars with these. They are better, and they even have the puffs. Have you tried the puffs? Because if you haven't, you're missing out on one of the Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered, again, in 100% real chocolate. So if you're like me and you want to give it a try, give it a taste, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Now earlier this week, head coach of the women's basketball team, Lindsay Whalen, was in a press conference where she had reviewed upon her emotions towards being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is an amazing accomplishment and a great feat. I can't take that from her. I am proud for her, and I appreciate all that she has done, not only for the state of Minnesota on the collegiate and professional level, but also what she has done for the game of basketball. That being said, Her time coaching here at the University of Minnesota hasn't been the smoothest of roads quite so far, and recently, this past season, we have now lost seven players to transfer, including our leading scorer of the past two seasons, Sarah Scalia. Now, Coach Whalen addressed this for the first time in this press conference, and she had really resisted the notion that there was a central problem with the program. She had mentioned how players are leaving for different reasons. Some people may be leaving for playing time because they weren't getting the opportunity here, which three of those players were very clearly not getting the time and probably weren't happy with their minutes. Others may have been looking for a chance to win, which isn't a reason that I would want to hear personally as a coach, knowing that's where I'm trying to get and that you would hopefully instill the message that we are one step away from being where you want to be instead of letting them walk out the door. Now, I get that people want to win now, 
heck, I want to win now. And if we kept our top three, four players from this class, it's not necessarily rebuilding when we have top prospects coming into the program. But alas, apparently convincing was not working. I don't know if there was any convincing to be done at that point or that was done, but it just feels all a little bit suspect to me. Coach Whalen went on to vow that she's going to identify better fits for the program after all the transfers that have already been requested. She had stated that we aren't looking to only have people in the program for one to two years, but they want to develop a relationship and a chemistry. They want to identify the people that are built for their program, both on the court and in mentality. But I find that thought process and that kind of comment a little suspicious, especially when you hear that transfer Sarah Scalia's father say that there were just times that Sarah, who is well known for her work ethic and putting extra hours in the gym, was looking for teammates with the same commitment. So clearly, there aren't people, that mentality doesn't seem to be there. It seems to be a reason why Sarah Scalia may have wanted to transfer. Her father goes on to say that the freshman class coming in does have that work ethic, but there are unknowns in year one with how quickly these kids will develop, and I don't disagree with that take. He's right. You don't know what you're going to get from a player in year one coming out of high school. There are some people that get it from the jump, can hit it right away flawlessly. And then there are other people that take years to build into the program and build into that role and expectation that was set for them. Heck, there's even some people that never hit that expectation. So he's not wrong there. And the main reason that Sarah Scalia, who was probably the biggest hit, and when I say probably, I mean 1000% was the biggest hit to us in these transfer portal losses. But he said a big part of her decision was wanting to win now. And clearly, that isn't the mentality and that isn't the approach right now. It's seen as a rebuild. And if we're going to embrace that approach and take it as a rebuild, then embrace it. I mean, we had seven players transfer, which means we only have three players remaining on the women's basketball roster. And all three of those players who are remaining make up the Gophers' 2021 signing day class. So really, we have three sophomores left on the roster with four incoming true freshmen following behind them. That means we have to add transfers to contribute to this team. And they might not be transfers that are going to contribute to winning right away, but they're going to need to play key minutes. And these transfers aren't going to be star players because we're hopefully have the intention of growing these two classes, both 2021 and 2022, into the main pieces of this rebuild. Therefore, two years from now, when we hit 2024 season, we should be in full stride trying to compete our butts off to be not only in the NCAA tournament, but competing in the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, the Final Four, and for national championships. By the time this 2021 class 
So the freshmen, true freshmen from this season, those three girls that stayed, by the time they're seniors, we better be competing for championships. Otherwise, this extension that we just gave Coach Whalen, though she is a legend and I have complete respect to her, the extension won't be worth it if we can't get back to contention after having an elite class like this. And what will be even more suspect, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, is if we start to lose these girls, these players, and these classes, class of 2021, that stuck around in the class of 2022, which is our top-ranked recruiting class in women's basketball history. If we start losing these players to transfers, then something bigger is at play. And we need to look into it ASAP. A coach's namesake can't be the only reason that the coach gets to stay. So I am praying and I am hoping for success I'm wishing nothing but the best for each individual on that team, as well as head coach Lindsey Whalen. I want success, and I want them to thrive. But if those things don't get solved, if we don't see results, and we start to see more players transferring and the exodus continues, then different questions are going to arise, and we're going to need change. Now with these topics back to back, we're seeming a little doom and gloom, we're seeming a little grim, so we're going to talk about something positive, which is NFL draft prospects from the Gophers. We are going to be talking about one prospective NFL hopeful from the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and this week we are talking about probably the top prospect of this class from our previous team. Boye Mafe. That's next. Today we're talking about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. If you're looking for the latest sports developments, live betting information, information on esports, and even podcasts, then you're going to want to go over and check out BetOnline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, and to close today's show, we are going to be doing an NFL prospect draft profile. We're going to be doing one of these every Friday up until the draft. And today's is the likely top prospect for this year's draft. He could end up going in the late first round, a day one pick. Otherwise, I would anticipate an early second round. And that is defensive end, edge rusher, Boye Mafe. Now, Boye Mafe measured in at the combine at 6'4", 261 pounds. He ran a 4'5", 40-yard dash, 38-inch vertical, and had a 125 broad jump. That's 125 inches if you didn't get that. Now, at his pro day, which was here in Minneapolis, he also measured in at 6'4", so you know the height is legit. He was a little slimmer at 257, which is still a great weight at the edge rush, and he had a 41.5 inch vertical. So the vertical jump increased. Now, in relative athletic score, or RAS score, he grades out as elite in both categories of speed and explosion. 
Now, speed is measured by the 40-yard dash time and the split times within that 40-yard dash, and explosion is measured by vertical and broad jumps. Now, as I said, he measured out and graded out as elite in each of these categories. In fact, he was elite in basically every measurement you could give. His height for the position is elite. How they score elite is on a scale from 1 to 10. His height was a 9.64 in RAS scores. Weight, 9.89 in RAS. Vertical jump, 9.3 in RAS. Broad jump, 9.36 in RAS. His 40-yard dash, 9.59 in RAS. And as I continue, you're seeing that all of these numbers he is putting up are on a 9 or a 9 and a decimal on a 10 scale. He has the measurables, the intangibles, to be an elite pass rush, and yet most teams can get him in the late end of the first round is what it's likely looking as. That means he's likely going to a team that he won't necessarily be forced to contribute in, but he can earn his role and develop under veterans. On top of that, he'd likely be going to a team that is in contention, which means that they can essentially build him up behind someone who's probably already a Pro Bowl player at the position. Now, when looking at NFL.com and who they say his likely player comp is, the player that they often compare him to is Rayshon Gary. So NFL analysts grade him out as someone who will eventually be a plus star and him a comparison of Rayshon Gary of the Green Bay Packers. So I was like, let's take a look at how Rayshon Gary developed over his first three years in the league. Year number one, Rayshon played in 16 games, started zero of those games. He had one fumble recovery, 21 tackles, three QB hits, and two sacks. So he had an all right rookie year. He wasn't really expected to contribute. And again, he was playing behind two Pro Bowl defensive ends in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So he was getting rotational minutes. Again, started zero games. Jumping into year number two, Rayshon Gary played in 15 games, started four of those games, had one pass deflection, one fumble recovery, 35 tackles, 11 QB hits, and five sacks. You love to see that progression in sacks from year one to year two, and also in QB hits from year one to year two. It shows you that he's getting better pressure on the quarterback, which means he's also beating offensive linemen to get that pressure. Now, jumping into year three, this is where things get very interesting. He played in 16 games, and he started in all 16 of those games. He had two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, 47 tackles, 28 quarterback hits, and nine and a half sacks. So that is another leap in quarterback hits, and in sacks. And on top of that, he started in every single game. Now that progression from year one to year two to year three is beautiful. And he was getting a lot of respect. And you know what? He got so much respect from the Packers as an organization that they felt comfortable letting multi-pro bowler Zadarius Smith get cut 
and walk away from the team. And he later went on to join rival Minnesota Vikings. So that is how much the Packers believed in his talent with that progression. And that is what NFL analysts are projecting is the type of timeline that Boye Mafe could also join. A player who will develop into something special because he has the intangibles, he has the athleticism, he has the explosion. And that's something that's super intriguing. And I think that he will be a day one pick. If I had to put money down, my guess is that he's going to go somewhere between picks 26 to picks 32. Picks 26 to picks 32. That's where I'd put my money on that Boye Mafe goes. If not, he'll be an early day two draft pick. I am not even putting it past that. He'll go in round two at the latest. And if Boye Mafe is to hit right away as a rookie, one player I could see him as a good comparison to is last year's Baltimore Ravens pick, Odafe Owe, previously known as Jason Owe, who played at Penn State. Odafe came on pretty strong for the Ravens, and his time, he stayed consistent in his time on the field. He probably saw around 45% of snaps in most games. So he wasn't out there on the field burning out, but he was getting valuable time. He had solid production, and he showed lots of promise. And that is what I think Boye Mafe could do. Now, two teams, three teams that I would really like to see him added to, knowing that he'll likely go late in the first round, in my opinion, I would love to see him on the Packers on the opposite side of Rayshon Gary in preparation for them to let Preston Smith go as well in the near future. Otherwise, I think he would be a great addition on the Chiefs or the Bills. I think all three of those teams need some edge rush help, or they have guys that will be aging out of the position in the near future, and they're all competitive. So I think those are all great options for him to land in. But no matter what, you know that Boye Mafe will be someone we keep tabs on here at Lockdown Golden Gophers, and we will be a fan no matter where he goes. That's going to do it for us on today's episode. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Please tune in each and every day. Again, big things are coming with the podcast. We are going to be adding a video portion on YouTube in the coming week or so. We are going to be doing a weekly mailbag every Thursday. We are going to be doing rookie prospect analysis on one gopher player every Friday up until the draft. We're going to talk about spring football we're going to talk about all the movement that comes with the off-seasons of the basketball programs and the football program. We got a lot to talk about here. So tell your friends. I know you have Gopher fan friends, and we need to build this community up. Follow the podcast on Spotify. Follow it on Apple Podcasts. Follow it wherever you stream your podcasts, and be sure to give us a five-star review. I look at those reviews, and I'm going to do everything in my ability to keep this show where you want to go when it comes to Gophers sports. So this is Kane Rob, host of the Lockdown Golden Gophers podcast, signing off. This is the show where we'll always continue to row. No matter what happens, we'll support our Gophers. 
Tune in next week when we do deep dives on the basketball commits that we have coming into the programs next season. That and more here on Locked on Golden Gophers. This is Kane Rob signing off. Have a good one. I'll see you next week.